The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends, and earn Unicorns through successful bets, or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program, where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet! My name is Walter Siedi Svedchuk, and welcome to a very special edition of the Rough Drafts Podcast. We're going to talk Hearthstone today. This will be our second Hearthstone podcast. Last time we talked about it uh, was right before uh, the latest, last expansion, and we brought my brother on because I'm a nepotistic person, and I don't care. And I like to uh, include my family and my friends and things. So, of course, joining myself, my co-host, Chase the Red Shirt King, Wasnar, my brother, Alex B.M. Navas Fedchuk. Gentlemen, how are we both doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a long time. It's been like, what, like five years since this uh, expansion came out or something? <laughs> yeah, the meta's been pretty locked in for half a decade now. It certainly feels that way. <laughs> I, I'm at the point now where I've started playing more Magic the Gathering than I have Hearthstone, and I only play Magic once a week when I go to draft nights. So it's been, I, I think oh, there's you, you a draft? fatigue. I do. I'm getting there. I'm, in, I'm still figuring it out, but I'm getting better, I think, as I'm getting more experience. All of this is to say, Hearthstone's in a very interesting place right now, and I think we have to break down A, how we got here, and B, where we're going and see whether any of this is going to matter to people like me who have started to feel alienated by the current course of the game. So I'm excited to talk about it and get the thoughts. All right, we'll, we'll go back, but I'm sending you my therapist's bill. That's... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but let's, let's just, it's been almost three full months. I get, you know, February is kind of a, a, a smaller month, but it's still a month. It's been almost three full months since we talked about uh, the mean streets of Gadget Sand. Just... Really quickly, how did you feel about the expansion? Did it match what your kind of predictions were? Was there one thing that kind of stood out to you, Alex? Let's let's start with you. Uh, we were wrong about Rogue. <laughs> we were wrong about. We were very wrong about Hunter. Oh my god. We were, we were mostly correct about Paladin. Yes. Uh, Shaman, Shaman. I don't. I felt really, really glad about the Jade about like Jade Shaman. Like mid range Jade Shaman. Mm-hmm. I'm like, awesome. I have like 50 50 against everything. Turns out that's like really, really good. <laughs> Flipping a coin about whether you win a game or not is usually a pretty, pretty sound strategy. Like, I could play the game or I could flip a coin. Pretty, pretty sound strategy. So, Chase, same question for you. How did you feel about, uh, about the mean streets of Gadget Sand? I think this is the worst 
expansion that Hearthstone has printed so far. And it's not because there aren't good cards. I am aware, like, clearly, a lot of good cards were came out because they're in every deck. Patches is in 61% of ranked decks currently, according to Disguised Host video. That's bonkers! That is broken! And it's being played in decks that it had absolutely no right <laughs> to be there! Why did Warrior do this? They were supposed to be with the grimy goons! Like, this was supposed to be... And they you know, left. Like <laughs> smart people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The Grimy Goods mechanics almost entirely failed, with the exception of Kimmler's hand buff paladin, which was fun to watch highlight videos of, but wasn't particularly fun when you brought it to the ladder yourself. I, I mean, the Jade stuff worked in the sense that it's super good, but we knew it was going to be super good because the idea of an infinite scaling mechanic is stupid. And it came out in Shaman, which means the deck had a whole bunch of aggro tools and control tools and mid-range tools that got infinite scaling that didn't sacrifice tempo, leading to Shaman's being 40 plus percent of the meta for the last okay. two plus months. Which they're is 34. They're only 34 percent of the meta right now. Oh, okay. Um, it's come down. Calm die. Calm thyself. Oh, God. Only a third of my games now. That's that's fine, then. So, you know, it's, it's this idea that really Hearthstone decided with this expansion that the game was going to be played in a certain way. Reno decks were going to be the way that you played control decks because the expansion printed cards that only work if you don't have a one of every card. So that was the only way you were going to survive. And the pirates were so strong that if you were going to play aggro, you had to play the pirate package because it was just too good. And... When you're at this point where the only way to shoehorn a mechanic, for example, Dragon Priest, is to print a 5-6, so well-statted, with upside that is bonkers, you've, you've made design and still, mistakes. And still not good enough. And it's still like a tier 2 deck. Like, it still doesn't <laughs> do enough. And I just... like. And they cut all the fun dragons, too. Like, that, <laughs> like Dragon Priest right now curves out a Draconite operative. And it's still not good. I know. it's It just seems like we need to have a different mentality when we're printing these kinds of cards. We can't just have, this is the mechanic of the expansion, so let's make it so good that everyone feels like they have to buy the expansion. I don't know if it's money grabbing. I don't know if it's poor balance decisions. I don't know what it is, but we have to re-examine how we got here. Which is exactly what we're going to do. And thankfully, certain unsavory characters are going to be walking the plank and <laughs> due to it we have all these just not quite good enough decks just bubbling below the surface yes are, now, you, are you about to say that the shaman bubble is about to burst and we're going to get some variety is, is that he's a better he's better at transitions than i am chase no <laughs> no Sh shaman's not going anywhere are you kidding oh. Okay. All the aggro shaman players are just going to start playing mid-jade and still stomp you. Yeah, or control and lost, they'll still stomp you. <laughs> they just lost, like, the super oppressive early game. But they still have, like, the super oppressive mid and late game. I mean, that that's fair. So so the, the great thing about online games as opposed to card games, Alex, is that you can nerf. You can actually, like, change the wording of things and make things that were really, really good not so good. And, and they did that on a couple of big-time cards here. Uh, small Small-time Buccaneer obviously changing their health, uh, its health from 2 to 1. And Spirit Claws changing the mana, uh, increasing the mana cost up to 2. So, Chase, I'll start with you on this one. Which nerf is more impactful? More impactful is hard to say. 
Uh, I think both were very good nerfs. I will give Blizzard credit for that. I thought the way they handled both of these nerfs was very good. I think they tackled the right cards. I think that both of these cards are quite possibly dead, which, you know, whether that's good or bad, we can kind of decide. I think Small Time Buccaneer has gone from broken to very fair. I don't think it's, a, you know, a necessarily useless or, you know, completely, you know, bad card. It's just now a fair card because a 3-1 will get the damage that aggro decks want. But control decks and, you know, classes like Druid, Rogue, Mage, they can deal with one health minions pretty quickly. That will be a very big change. And that will take the pirate package out of decks that really shouldn't be running it in the first place. And Spirit Claws, the difference between one and two mana... I mean, first of all, a one-mana 3-3 weapon really should have been thought about before we got to that point. I have no idea how they thought that was going to work out positively. But making it two-mana really does change a lot, because as, as Brian Kibler has pointed out, and as several Hearthstone pros have pointed out, this means that you can't turn one Spirit Claws, turn two, roll into your Spell Power Totem, and immediately have that 3-3 weapon online, and Spell Power to do damage and wipe things the next turn. It definitely is going to affect the way Midrange and Control Shaman kind of try to curve themselves out. So, I think those were good nerfs. I think Spirit Claws is probably, if not dead, at least on life support. Uh, but that's fine. I feel like Shaman has plenty of weapons in other places that we don't need to have Spirit Claws be this busted thing. So I'm overall happy with what we saw. Curious where you come down on it, Alex. Am I, am I reading the... You know, you've seen more of these kinds of things in Magic because you've been following card games longer than I have. How do you feel about it? First of all, Walter... Wizards ban Smuggler's Copter, so you have no ground. Uh, no, no, no. They ban, card, they ban cards. They don't change the wording on Did them to actually make them, like, not so broken. That's that's all I'm saying. They don't physically go in with Whiteout and say, okay, we're going to make this card now say this <laughs> thing, and uh, it, costs, it costs two black and uh, a blue. There we go. They don't do that. that that's what I'm. That's all I'm hitting at here. I mean, they, they don't have, have the luxury of, but they did. Ju they did just ban three cards from standard, mm -hmm. which is huge. Anyways, that's that's for the Magic: The Gathering podcast. <laughs> yes, he got it. He got it. He's been watching our show long enough, Chase. Yes. To... Yeah, I, I also just love hearing like the occasional references to me. Sometimes <laughs> it, it really. Really brings up the ego some. That nepotism, the podcast episode two. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, no, I think you read this perfectly. I don't think that small time buccaneer gets played anymore. I think that unfortunately, like it's it's so weird because we've had we have and have had one mana three twos in the game for literally ever in flame imp. We've had uh, cogmaster mm -hmm. like. This stat, this particular stat line and type of effect, and even the buffed up version of it, is nothing new. Three twos for one with a downside or some sort of situational we're not always this good have always existed. And I don't think that Small Time Buccaneer was like an oversight or what were they thinking. They thought that this was a perfectly reasonable card. Even like Trump. When he initially revealed, he's like, yeah, it could be good. Like, Pirate's probably going to be a thing. We'll see how good it is. Turns out it's the most broken thing you can do in Hearthstone right now. Mm. So it's not small-time Buccaneer's fault. And unfortunately, he's taken a pretty hard fall. Like, your opponent turn one small-time Buccaneer's you. He's like 54% to win or something if Patches shoots out of the cannon too. Like, 
and that was the other big thing. It was that it wasn't just oh you have this three two for one. You also have a one one. You also have a stone tusk four yeah. that just so happened to blew up the entire meta. And then God forbid they actually do follow up with a weapon like fiery war axe and like now they have two of the highest win rate on in your opening hand cards in their opening hand and you're just dead. Yeah, it turns out being able to kill a coined out doomsayer on turn two is a little powerful. That's a little... Yeah. It works out for aggro decks that just want to punch things all the time. <laughs> and now he dies to literally every hero power in the game except sometimes Shaman. Um, Spirit Claws, though, one mana to two is huge. It doesn't fit into your curve basically anywhere now. Like, you don't want to play this on turn two. You want to develop on turn two or answer a threat on turn two. You don't want to play a 1-3 weapon. And then on turn three, okay, so then you're going to play your 1-3 weapon and then try to high roll your totem. Like, that's not what you want. That's not what you want to be doing. Right. Its, pow it's power was that you could do... Or no, yeah, you can't even do that on turn three anymore. That's when it was a one-mana weapon. Now you're doing this on turn four. And if you're any sort of fast deck, turn four is when you're playing... A 7-7. Seven, seven. Like, mm -hmm. you're not gambling on turn 4. You're killing your opponent on turn 4. Well, so, overall, I think... I think both cards are dead. I think both cards... That, the one... I, I thought about this in, in the pre-call, like, the one health change, but yeah, like, you make a really good point. Pretty much every hero power can negate, <laughs> negate it at this point on small-time Buccaneer. Something else that are going to be negated, these Hall of Fame cards. Oh, yeah, these that Hall reminds me. Cards. Drake is gone. So there goes... Like, there goes two of your five enablers. I have to say that the YouTuber that did the clip where Azure Drake was uh, juxta uh, superimposed over Charizard, and it's the episode where Ash has to give him up and runs away <laughs> crying. Like, that, the feels were there. Like, I, love, I, I, I love Azure Drake. I personally love Azure Drake. Yeah. Like, I, I think yeah. it's pretty, it, I thought it was a pretty, like, well-balanced card. Now, granted, I never really came up against too many dragon decks. Uh, but, like, I thought it was a, a pretty... You know, decent card. You, you know what the what, you, what are you talking about? Everyone's playing him. Yeah, everyone yeah. thought it was a decent card. Everyone thought it was super good. It was in every deck, because why would it not be? A, for, a dragon is helpful for certain decks for synergies, but even if it's not, drawing a card is super good. Uh, yes. Having spell yeah. power is super good. Yep. Uh, like a lot turns, of five drops suck. Yeah, it just, it, it locked out the space. So I feel like that was the one of all of the cards that were rotated out. That was the one I was happiest to see rotated out because it frees up so much more room at, of five drops that, you know, were almost good enough to see play or had to be like, uh, you know, Draconoid operative and just be so overpowered if they wanted to see play at that five spot. And now it's just now now we have a chance to see what else can make it there. I, I don't know what's going to jump off the top. I don't know. Alex, do you have any like ideas of cards that are waiting to take that spot? No. Every, every if I'm playing a deck that goes to five mana or above, you better believe that I'm starting with two Azure Drake. Yeah. Like this has been like the secret cabal behind everything in Hearthstone. It's been there the whole time in every single deck. Just but you never like your opponent never plays a Drake, and you're like, God damn this card again, because. 
you're looking at it in your hand, being like, "Man, I can't wait to play you." <laughs> to me, to me, Azure Drake was the card that I replaced Chillwind Yetis with, or replaced my Chillwind Yetis with. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if I, if I, like when I didn't have Azure Drakes, it'd be like, "All right, Chillwind Yetis." The second I had Azure Drakes, I'd be taking the Chillwind Yetis out because even that extra like mana on the curve, like there is, there's a ton of value in this card. Even if you aren't using the spell damage increase, like mm-hmm. a four four for five with a draw effect is pretty massive and does a lot for the decks that that I tend to play. Mm-hmm. Um, anything about Sylvanas or, or Ragnaros? Do, I, I think Sylvanas matters probably a little bit more than Ragnaros, but I didn't really play either because I didn't usually have a ton of legendaries. Yeah. So, it, what do you? Does something take over for Sylvanas? Is this going to be like more like mind control tech type stuff, or is it just it was a nice effect to have in your deck, and you're not really going to miss it? The the thing about Ragnaros and Sylvanas were they were kind of like the objective cards that you told people to craft when they were new to the game. They're like, what should I be crafting? Well, I mean, in this meta, it's patches, right? Mm-hmm. It, but like, what what legendary should I craft? I don't know. Like, if you what do you want to play? I don't know. Uh, go go craft Sylvanas and Ragnaros. You can literally play them in any deck that we find. And then when you have like, like how you're playing Rogue, sure, throw Sylvanas and Ragnaros in there. You'll be fine until you get a Van Cleef and the rest of Miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean honestly, when you have, I mean the one I'm excited about is Ragnaros because I'm the kind of person that tried to make Chromagus work in just about every deck when that card came out. Like, there are a lot of fun, big cards that I would love to play, but every time I think about it, I say to myself, but is it better than Ragnaros? Is it better than just playing a card and getting eight damage right off the top that might can either, you know, hit the face and be a huge chunk of their health or can hit their biggest target? Like, they're just, it was very hard to compete with that. You know, other uh, big legendaries were, were just much slower than that. You couldn't afford to give up the tempo that a Ragnaros gets you. Uh, so, Which is weird, though, yeah. because Ragnaros is so like high rolly. Yeah, like, it's it's how many how many times did you play Ragnaros? And you're like, I need you to kill the thing for me. Domes your opponent's face like three times. And you're like, man, I dealt twenty four damage to my opponent with Ragnaros. Too uh, bad I died. I mean, <laughs> see, I'm the one who always hits the one one that the guy happened to play just <laughs> yeah. to hit the token. So. Yeah, I mean, like you, you play against like the one paladin, and Ragnaros just has a particular hatred for the silver hand that day. <laughs> he just keeps hearing him say to armsmen, he's like, "Oh, screw you! What did I do to you, man? I, I, I'm hitting you with fire." Just I mean, like an all-powerful demon, let me kill the underlings. <laughs> it sounds about right. Hey, he's not a demon; he's an elemental lord. You get your lore correct. Well, Does he was... get the elemental tag, by the way? We gotta get... That's something I'm interested that, in. That was... Oh god, the great we'll errata. We'll actually get to that in a moment, but that was something that someone said on, on Reddit on the post for the new new expansion announcement, was that, oh, now removing Ragnaros makes a lot of sense. Like, he probably will get uh, the elemental tag, and they don't want that paired up with whatever craziness they're thinking of. Moving on, off of, off of those to the class cards. I personally feel like Blizzard uh, stabbed me in the back on this one. I think that they just like were like, Walter, you play two decks. One of your decks relies completely on this card. Uh, you don't get to play that deck anymore. Why get rid of Power Overwhelming? Why? Why? I just because... want double Power Overwhelming Leroy and winning games. Like, why would you do that to me? Why? Because... Literally every slow warlock deck, which are the only ones being played right now, aside from you on that crappy Zulok, uh, 
would just rather OTK their opponent. Like, not not even be like Zoo. Just, yeah, we're just going to remove your stuff. And, oh, hey, here's Leroy, Power Overwhelming, Faceless Manipulator. You're dead. There's this, nothing you can do to stop it. This makes my Zoo deck almost unplayable, though. Oh, it doesn't. You still have Leroy. Yeah, I, honestly, the, the you know, where we are with a card like that is it, it really necessitates one level of play and forces every person who plays against Warlock to say, well, I have to be aware, I have to be worried about this double burst combo no matter what my health is at. I mean, if you look at the full combo, right, with one Thorazan tick, you can do uh, Leroy Jenkins, Power Overwhelming, Power Overwhelming, Faceless Manipulator, congratulations, you now have 28 of 30 damage. If you've done two damage the entire game Leopard and they don't have a taunt, you win. Like, that is stupid. That is, that is a bursty, stupid combo that should not and, exist. And God forbid you get two of those off and then you could double Faceless Manipulator. But, but Chase, I don't do that. So let me play my deck. <laughs> I, I like my deck. That's the first deck that Alex ever made for me. Look, I enjoy that deck. Walter, yeah, you, you like play, your deck? You play Dark Peddler. You can play you can play three plus power overwhelmings if you roll really well. I mean, I'll put it this way, Walter. I, I'm reminded of uh, the League of Legends uh, comment that one of the developers have. You want to play power overwhelming, but your opponents do not want you to play power overwhelming. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to play against Jade Shaman, and they didn't do jack about that. Yeah, well, that's so. a problem too. But I mean, like, can we? Like, we should talk about the other combo cards that were kind of removed here. Ice Lance. I mean, the ubiquity of Freeze Mage was something that they were going to have to deal with. It's something that could work in every meta and mostly operated off of basic or classic cards, and that meant that it was always going to have a place in the game unless they removed this one card. It's great to have in Wild. I think that Freeze Mage is a deck that should exist. It's just that the fact that it exists in every meta ever is kind of a problem. It freezes out the potential for other control magey decks, uh, which, you know, Reno Mage was a thing, but now that Reno's getting rotated out, we would have had, you know, it basically would have been Freeze Mage and nothing else as far as control <laughs> decks go. So so I liked that, and Conceal, I think that they've just made it very clear that they don't care for stealth, and they're apparently not going to bring print any anti-stealth card other than uh, uh, Flare for Hunter, and I guess that 4-6 for 5 that's sometimes played in Arena, some investigator thing that I have completely forgotten about because nobody plays it. So, it's I, I mean, it, it seems like it's going to do a fine job of making it tough for Gadget Sand Auctioneer to get full value, but as we've seen Druid use it, uh, it turns out that uh, Gadget Sand Auctioneer into Innervate, into Jade Idol, into Jade Idol is pretty good. That still does fine, so it's not a... It was an interesting choice. What do you think, Alex? Should they have gone for Conceal, or should they have gone after Gadget Sand? Totally. Conceal is the, conceal is the right choice. Mm. The issue here is, as they've said themselves, hitting non-interactive combo. I love, keep, love running back to Magic, but in Legacy, I play a deck called Oops All Spells. If the deck works correctly, you never play... My opponent never gets to play Magic. They don't even get to get to their turn. Mm. As the game starts, I wave my hands a little bit, and the game's over. Pretty much. It's wonderful to watch. It's <laughs> actually wonderful to watch. Yeah, it's, it's actually pretty hilarious. But that deck gets to exist because of a card called Force of Will, which can just completely ruin my day and make me lose instead. Mm. And it's zero mana, mana to cast it. And that's the point, though, is that 
unfair decks like Oops can exist due to the interaction that opponents can have against it. In Hearthstone, because turns are synchronous, meaning that I get my turn and you can't do anything until it's your turn, means that creating a non-interactive combo like Leroy, uh, Power Overwhelming Faceless, the entirety of Miracle Rogue, or Freeze Mage means that I can just do my thing. I can just go off whenever I want, provided that, you know I'm comfortable doing so. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. Hmm. The only exception to that being like secrets and secret honor. <laughs> sure. And, and even that though, Potion like of polymorph. Uh huh. <laughs> like the difference between a secret and like a taunt minion is the same thing. You're you're preparing. Like all you can do is prepare for this wave to come crash against you. There's nothing you can do in that moment, which I think is actually a very very valid point for Hearthstone. Is it does feel turns do feel sort of disconnected of like, all right, here's what I did. Now you do your thing. There is no move that you can make in between. You can only be proactive. And like, let's say I'm playing a Leroy Faceless. You play Taunt Minion. Okay. I'm not forced to combo off. I can just kill your guy past the turn and wait until next turn to kill you. Right. Like my combo's not going anywhere and you did literally nothing to it. (laughs) So that's what they're going for. Um, I like that they kept Gadgetzan in currently unnerfed ish. I mean, mm-hmm. still a six mana creature. <laughs> Rip the days of five mana Gadgetzan. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I for the dark times. That. No. For the Empire. <laughs> Before the Keyblade. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, but like, it's nice to see that Miracle will theoretically survive it'll see what they bring in to replace it and Ozer drake um we might see them go back to like a malagos rogue style where mm. playing like sinister strike and we'll just keep up that critical mass of burn spells until they're ready to go okay malagos uh sinister strike sinister strike eviscerate yeah. eviscerate you know you need one thorazan tick and you can do all of it it's... no you don't thorazan's rotating oh that's true Ooh, that's going to be interesting then, because you usually that means all you could do on that one turn is the sinister strike, and then you have to pray Malagos lives, which can be or countered. You, or you have to hold on to your preps, but that's you kind of want to use those preps to cycle with. So who knows? Maybe Miracle Rogue becomes a hard deck to play again. Mm, that's true. I, I. But yeah, that's that's the big thing is, and all these decks have their consistency in different ways, obviously. Um, the control warlocks just will life tap through their deck and be cards ahead of you, and they'll just eventually find it. Um, Miracle, much in the same way, like once they have their gadgets in and a couple of cheap spells, they'll rip through their deck, they'll get their pieces, they'll kill you. Mm-hmm. Freeze Mage, at the very least, I say the very least, like that one is probably the most offensive to like sit across the table from because mm-hmm. they play that first secret and you're just like, I know where this is going, <laughs> I'm gonna kill you, that secret's gonna pop you're going to live, then you're either going to kill me or play another one of those. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, let's, let's move on. We're going to talk about some, some more changes that are being made. Uh, the first is, is the new release schedule, is that they're kind of firming up exactly what their, their view for the year is, what their distribution of cards is going to be. Um, basically, once, once each quarter, so once every 
uh, three months, uh, they're going to be doing uh, 130 card expansions, essentially, uh, starting off with the Year of the Mammoth uh, in quarter one. So that's like, you know, January to January, February, March kind of timeline, depending on what their actual calendar year is. Uh, and then the first expansion, which was just announced today, Monday, February 27th, um, the Journey to Agoro, that looks like that's going to be their quarter two expansion. Again, 130 cards. And then they'll be doing two more expansions, one in quarter three, one in quarter four. Alex, as a Magic player, who their expansions and their sets are not always very firm on a timeline. What do you think of this change? Is this better for Hearthstone? Better for competitive play? What, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that... Uh, I think that a more solid, like this very solid release schedule, uh, moving away from the adventures, is is nothing but good for for Hearthstone. Um, it gives more cards into the pool, and now we're only waiting three months for potentially major changes to happen, rather than oh, in three months, an adventure is going to come out. Like maybe two or three cards will be good. And in that case, they're probably just going to slot into already existing decks, so not much is actually changing. Um, that's that's the big thing. We're going to see, hopefully, more diversity coming sooner, rather than these long droughts where, you know, Gadget Sand's only been out for three months, and most of us are already sick of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have one counter to that, which is... League of Explorers, which was an adventure that shaped the meta more than several full expansions I can think of. Like, you can print a really solid adventure with cards that can shape the meta and change the way people play decks. You just have to be very careful about it. It has to be very finely crafted. It's harder to do. I feel like now we're going to get a sheer volume of cards, so that's going to make it more likely that we have these meta-impacting things. But adventures intrinsically are not the problem. We've seen good adventures. And the problem I have is that this screws over free-to-play players pretty significantly. The difference in cost between following an adventure, which is a set cost, and you get every card guaranteed, and buying packs and hoping you hit the lottery and get the cards that you need, or that the cards that end up being valuable aren't legendaries and therefore taking a huge source of dust if you want to be able to keep up. That is potentially very dangerous, especially if they keep going with this uh, Mean Streets of Gadgetsand style of balancing in which the next expansion has so many meta-defining cards that you cannot afford not to have all of them. If you didn't spend the 1600 dust on patches, you were just worse than everyone else on the ladder. And while that one legendary, maybe that, you know, you say one legendary isn't that, you know, uh, intrusive of a cost, there were, you know, that... This allows a any experimentation from players like that, and b that doesn't you know that locks them into one specific type of deck, and still means that if they want to do anything else or they want to you know try to do let's say the uh, you know um, you know miracle rogue like whatever it is you want to do, you're gonna have to find other cards to craft in order to make it work. Mm-hmm. It just you've raised the barrier to entry, and maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe we're at the point where we tell free to play players that. You know, in every other card game, you have to spend money in order to play the game. And if you want to play free to play, well, then you better log in your hours. There's at least some argument to that. But I do feel like 
this is a hit on people that just want to, you know, people who saved up their gold to get the cards that they knew they wanted from the adventures, whether it was just buying the single wing that they needed or whatever mm -hmm. else, those players are being hurt by this financial move. And I refuse to believe that Blizzard hasn't realized that they make more money off of random chance off of packs than they do off of guaranteed adventures. I I've seen this model work before. There's a reason that Magic does packs and not the living card game style. And, and it's not and, because Wizards of the Coast dislikes money. And, and there's a reason I don't I don't play no, Magic. No, Hasbro anymore. loves money. Yes. <laughs> and, and that that right there is one of the the strongest reasons for why I don't play Magic anymore. I don't want to have to have this constant investment every six months. Where if I want to keep playing standard, I have to go out and buy a hundred of the new packs. You you're a legacy player, so you have a deck that you, you play oops all spells, and that's going to be good in legacy. Like, forever, unless you come up with someone that spent the money for four Force of Wills. But that was when I stopped playing Magic, and when you started getting back into it, that was one of the reasons I didn't follow, was I don't want to make this kind of financial investment. And as someone who plays Hearthstone in you know, one of the most casualest of casual settings that built two decks off of the scrap heap and off of adventure-style cards... It, it doesn't do anything for me. It's going to be, again, it's not going to make me want to play more. It's going to be that thing I open up where I'm like, ah, I'm kind of bored for two hours. I guess I'll play some Hearthstone. And then I'm going to run into someone who spent, you know, three, $400 on packs to build a perfect Jade Shaman deck. And I'm going to be like, I don't want to play anymore. And that's kind of where I'm at already. So I don't think these changes hurt my desire to play as a casual fan. But I can see why some people would be massively turned off by this and, and, and want to move on and, Maybe go play Gwent like Life Coach is going to do. Uh, the other big change and is to Arena. Uh, they're shifting Arena from Wild to Standard. And Alex, what is the change that I'm going to yell at them, that I'm going to want them to do instead of changing it from Wild to Standard? It's been one of my largest complaints about Hearthstone. Oh, let you keep the cards. Why can't I keep the cards? Why can't I keep the cards? I drafted. I want the cards. I want the cards that I picked. It's Why a, can't I keep them? It's a great because question. Because 150 gold will not allow you to keep a golden patches. So, so raise the cost. Raise the cost. Like, oh. First of all, goldens aren't in arena, so there isn't any, like, the maximum yes, they amount are. of value. They're well, adding goldens there if you own, if you, if if you you own, own them golden. already. But otherwise, yeah. you're drafting common, like, you're drafting the regular version, so the value that, you know, players would be getting is auto is already reduced. Just raise the cost of arena if you could make it, you know, 250, 300, like, whatever it is. There's a way to balance it so that you are allowed to keep your cards and you feel like you're actually building something that is going to matter and affect you outside of that arena run so even if you go 0 and 3 you don't feel like you wasted your time and resources it's it's crazy to me i i i wish that blizzard understood that they have this these tools that are so clearly viable for them to use and they just don't want to do it and i understand again like blizzard is a company they need to make money and they want to return on their pro investment it makes a lot of sense. I'm return on my investment, and that's and that's totally fair. And maybe the answer is as simple as, if the cards feel fair and if the meta is fun, you don't feel bad spending money on cards. That's the idea, right? If the product is something that's you know worth your time and energy, you're probably willing to spend at least something in order to keep yourself viable. So I, I do get the argument. I just feel like 
the idea when when we say things like it is only good that's where I want to hold back because there are people that are going to be negatively affected by this by the way that they currently play the game and they're going to be forced to either adapt or die. And, and honestly, some of my favorite moments in Sealed or Draft or whatever you want to call it in Magic were when I had to make the choice between the card that I knew I wanted for another deck or was valuable versus the card that would fit in the deck that I was crafting. And there's a story of a player that had to make one of those decisions and, and ha- like how much was the card? Like he just chose the expensive card to go sell it. Goif, goif, like, goif. Yeah, like <laughs> GP stamped Goyf boys. Like I think he sold that for like sixteen hundred. Yeah, paid for several specifically because specifically because of the controversy. And no, he donated it as a middle finger to everyone who not who said no. That's not in this. That's not the sporting thing to do. But he shouldn't have drafted matter. that card. It doesn't matter. Like that's one of the cool parts of when you open a pack that you spent four dollars on in Magic and you pull out a card that's worth like twelve dollars and you're like. Well, I don't need it. I'm going to go sell it and buy four more packs. And I just really feel like Hearthstone is not magic. It's not trying to be magic. But I don't have as many of those moments where I'm like, oh, boy, this was really cool to open this pack. Now I'm opening packs just to, like, just open the pack and just get, have get it not be in my inventory on. anymore. Yeah. That, that being said, though, like, when you open a Golden Trash Legendary, like, that was the first Legendary that I opened in Hearthstone was a Golden Hogger. And when my friends looked at my screen... Because I was playing on uh, university campus, mm-hmm. and one of my friends looked over and he's like, "Oh, cool! You got a Ragnaros." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Like this is, uh, you know, it, it's funny how the crafting system has kind of built itself to that way. I, I mean, we'll see. Uh, we're, we're, I mean, Alex, are we overestimating the effect on free-to-play players? You've obviously spent more time seeing how these things tend to balance out. Uh, but now that I bring up the whole, oh look, uh, a Ragnaros. You're getting dust... Like, to go back up to the Hall of Fame cards, you're getting dust back for those. And you get to keep them, too. So, like, if you own a Ragnaros, you're getting... When the change happens, you're just going to have 1,600 dust. So, like I said, these... Like, Sylvanas, Ragnaros, uh, Blood Mage, Thalnos was a card that was in the notes that we never talked about. But, like, those were the objective legendaries that, like, I'm a new player. What do I craft? One of those three. And... You can play them in literally every deck. They'll be perfectly fine, I promise. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do want to just to clarify. Blood Mage Thanos is, going, is still in standard. It's Thank a card you. that I thought yeah. should have been rotated out, no. which is why no. it's in the notes. He's, no. he's dead He's every deck. It's, it's, no. it, it is it's exactly the same argument as Azure Drake. Spell power plus drawing a card consistently, and he's at low value. Shh. Every rogue deck plays okay, it. Every mage it. deck plays it. It's Stop. okay. That's fine. Stop being smart. Stop <laughs> being intelligent. I like that card too. Damn it. Okay. Can't it's fine. Take both my blood mage Thalnos and my power overwhelmings. I will not allow it. I will Wait, not. Wait, you have Thalnos? When did you yes. get Thalnos? I crafted it. For, uh, oh, for shout, out, shout out to you, man. Good uh, job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways. Yeah, we should that, we should that, move on. But that wild tangent aside, free to play players. I actually uh, found the opposite side of the fence for you as far as like the um the set changes because i i looked at it from like a gold perspective that if for whatever reason like say you get particularly unlucky and like the car that you want is in wing four congratulations you have a 2800 gold grind ahead of you that you're just gonna have to stare at that gold in your inventory in either the full monty or 700 gold chunks and i don't know about you but i have no impulse control 
Hmm. So looking at it like that, it's like what? An, an adventure is like what? Twenty bucks? Yeah, is that's like, not correct. It was like twenty twenty five dollars. Yeah. Do you know, do you know what twenty dollars gets you in terms of packs? Uh, it gets you fifteen packs, I believe. Bingo. Yeah. How many packs does twenty eight hundred gold get you? Uh, fifteen packs gets you forty uh forty five cards. Right? No, wait, no, hold on. It gives you seventy five cards. But it's seventy five exactly. seventy five random cards versus forty five, and then you know every card you're getting. I would imagine the value is higher on the expansion. I just uh, if you're looking at a random set of variables, and mostly you're gonna get commons when you open packs, right? That's the vast majority of those cards. You're going to get more value off of the adventure. Mm. Now, whether that's a positive or a negative is, you know, still to be decided. But so, what what is the gold pack cost? Is 150 a pack, right? It's 100, 100. per pack. Oh, it's 100 per pack. Yes, yeah, so you so get that, 28 packs. Yeah, you get you get 28 packs. Like you come you come out ahead if you break it down by a dollar amount. I get I understand what you're saying, but honestly, I think League of Explorers was a complete aberration. Mm. Like we saw two of the most busted shaman cards printed in that set. I think that Bran and Elise were just kind of like, sure, these are flavorful cards. Maybe they'll be good. They turned out to be so. And it was the perfect place to put Reno. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Does this mechanic work? Mm-hmm. Throw in an expansion. See if people play it. Because yeah, they didn't need to put any support for it. Mm-hmm. Now that they know it's good, that's what. now after they know that it's good and people want the mechanic to work, that's where we see Solia and Kroll and Raza, who are all bad, mm-hmm. but now we have Kazakis, yes, who theoretically might possibly, probably not carry the Highlander mechanic, but that's looping all the way back. And <laughs> well, well, let, let's stay let's stay on this shaman discussion because I've gotten to the point where if I'm playing any anything, if I'm playing arena, well, not if I'm playing arena because I barely play arena, but if I'm playing uh, if I'm playing standard ranked, if I'm playing standard normal, it's like if I come across a shaman, I just immediately concede because I don't want to play against. <laughs> Way to skew the numbers. It's not fun. It's not fun. I feel like every time I come against a shaman, and, and this isn't a like oh woe is me, I'm terrible. Like no, it's just it's not fun to play against that's it just is a, a, objectively not fun to play against so why why is shaman so strong what can we do to you know weaken it was it just you know nerfing these couple of cards up top is it that cards are going to be dropping out like you said oh no shaman's going to stick around so what about it is going to keep it sticking around the all the awesome busted mechanics that they just got like if you look if you go on, like, Vicious Syndicate or any, like, deck website and yeah. look at what they play, like, the pirate package is dead. Mm-hmm. That's, like, what, six cards? Two of pa- two of small time, two South Sea patches. All right, five cards from Shaman. Gone. Mm-hmm. Ozzer Drake. That's one to two, depending on how much they like Ozzer Drake. Mm-hmm. That's gone. Tunnel Trog's rotating. Totem mm-hmm. Golem's rotating. Mm-hmm. Like the entire the entire bottom third of shaman just dropped off the face of the earth, mm-hmm. but they get to keep maelstrom portal for a little bit. They still have lightning storm. They still have jade claws, jade lightning. Every single burn card that's killed you in the past three months. Yep. 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 Four mana seven seven. Uh, Doomhammer. Yep. I mean, and they, and they still have, you know, things like Flamtone Totem are just going to come back. Like, it's not like they don't have low-cost things. Like, we were at the point where Flamtone Totem was sometimes too slow for aggro Shaman, which is bonkers. That's like, that's, like, it's 
back to everything. How is that slow? But that's where we were with Shaman. And this is the problem that I think a lot of players have had with Shaman. And, you know, I like to do it by telling the story of, you know, I, I take a couple days off because I was very frustrated with the whole Shaman thing. And I came back for one game. Oh, is that... Was and that what I, you tweeted? Yes. I tweeted okay. about this at the time. But I, I, you know, I had my ice block. I had Reno Jackson. I had Frostbolt to prevent him from attacking me at times. I had my Fireball. I had Volcanic Potion. I had every single possible answer that my deck has. I drew every single, my Earthen Ring Farseer, all the healing. And I still lost to Shaman because he happened to draw both Jade Claws and both Jade Lightnings and I a Black Paw while also hitting me twice with Lava Burst and twice with Lightning Bolt. And there was nothing I could do. He had he had board control because of the Jades. He had Burst because he can hit face and get Jades, which is stupid. And it's like, why did we bid a better implosion? Why did we want it? Why did we look at implosion and say, can we make this more broken? Can we make this more <laughs> stupid when it hits you in the face? And I just, oh my God. I it, it is this constant thing we've seen the developers do, which is when a class is too weak, they will print things to force it to be strong, and they printed too many things to force Shaman to be strong. So now they're hoping that the rotation fixes some of it, and they're likely not going to give Shaman all that much support over the next couple expansions. Meanwhile, watch as uh, Ungaro is, it continues to be a thing. Watch for Hunter and watch for Paladin, because those have both been... If not in the dumpster, at least in the low tiers for long enough now, that I guarantee you Team 5 said, well, we gotta fix these things, so let's print a whole bunch of super powerful cards so that we get them back into the meta and, and Hunter and Paladin players can start having fun again. And this is how we get things like Mysterious Challenger, people. Like, this is how we get here. So but they're, three, they're collectively 3% of the meta across... Like, just Hunter and Paladin collectively all their archetypes every random ass dude using a deck tracker and they're three percent of the meta man <laughs> they need the help for sure yeah because they got they got literally like all their good cards rotated mm. or like just don't work they got literally the worst group possible don't have the support to make the pirate package work Warrior, like, that was Warrior's saving grace. If they didn't have, like, Nazos first mate and Fiery War Axe, they would have been in the dumpster along with with the rest of the Grimy Goons. Right. And, like, and at the very least, like, the tiny little condolence that Paladin gets is that at the very least, any Finn still sort of works sometimes. Hunter's got <laughs> nothing. <laughs> like, Alley Cat turned out to be completely terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They've got uh, the kindly grandmother, the one, one for two, yeah. that if you're playing any sort of, like, beast buff package, you're like, oh, God, why did this guy get buffed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Congratulations, I have a 3-3 three, three that gives me a 3-2 when it dies. Why couldn't you have gone on the dispatch, Kodo? I think it says a lot that the only Hunter deck that even got tracked on uh, things like the Meta Snapshot and Tempo Storm was a almost all spells Hunter deck that relied upon you getting Barnes into Yasharaj into hopefully another Yasharaj for the most intense shenanigans 
or just praying that you got the high main, and at least then you'd get a 1-1 that turns into two two twos. And that still wasn't enough to do much against most decks. It's it, when you're because having the meta to rely was too on, fast. Yeah, it, the meta was too fast. You had to rely we, on so many shenanigans if you wanted to even be mildly relevant, which is just not good. Because they had they have a hero power that doesn't heal them. It doesn't control the board. Mm-hmm. All their minions aren't big enough. They just aren't fast enough as a class. Like, and. Real talk. It makes you wish for the days when Hunter was killing you on turn seven, don't it? Yeah. I never thought we'd get there. What? What? Like, how How do we need to define... Like, everything you're kind of saying is, like, Paladin and Hunter seem to be very undefined. I'm, I'm looking at Vicious Syndicate where I'm looking at everything, and they don't have any type of archetype that is, is like, blatantly saying, like, oh, this is what the core of our... Of our classes. I'm looking at Warrior, it's obviously Pirate Warrior. I'm looking at Rogue, Miracle Rogue, Dragon Priest, and Reno Priest. Like each, all these other classes have something that's very definitive. This is what we're good at. What should Paladin and what should Hunter both be good at? What should be their defining characteristic? Paladin should. Paladin needs mid range. Like, I think that Paladin being the mid-range class like obviously at like depending on the support cards and how the sets shape out and everything like yeah any deck could have a mid-range deck but like what does paladin do we churn out dudes we have some weapons which are great removal and like we can control your minions we don't have like hard removal for them but like we can sit on the board and we can fight you just all day long and when we're out of resources, guess what? We're still going to have the board. Yeah. That's what that's what they do. Hunter in a similar way is we want to fight the board, fight for the board, hopefully never lose it and then shoot you with our hero power until you die. Yeah. A hunter should feel like he's hunting you, right? It's supposed to be that constant pressure and if he gets close enough, I am going to die. That's what kill command is supposed to be there for. That's what the hero power is supposed to do. It's just supposed to be that constant pressure of if I do not clear it, he will hunt me down. Um, and that's fun and that should be, you know, that there are ways to do that. You know, I'd love to see some more controlly hunter cards come in. Something like Gladiator's Longbow, but earlier on would be cool like i love the design on that card and it's never played because you can't use a 5-2 weapon on seven mana even if it does make you immune it's just way too slow but there's a way to make that card and have it be half decent and it's not piranha launcher like that's not the answer (laughs) and it never was and i don't know why they thought it would be but there is a way to do this and as far as paladin goes like you bring up midrange i think that's very fair I would love to see a return to, like, the old-school aggro paladin off of, like, a small-time recruits, adding in, like, the, the, out, uh, you would the want outfitter. That card to be good. I do! I want that card to be good, because you do that, and then you do that into, like, double Grime Street Outfitter, and then you can just flood with these cheap cards and just, you know, play all the Divine Shields, you know, go for those kind of things that... We've been desperately missing in Paladin. Remember when Paladin, like, Divine Shield was a thing? Remember when their healing was not worse than Shaman's healing? Like, there were, there was a time where they had these kinds of things, and any one of them I could get behind. But 
I, I think that right now what they've done is they're like, well, we need to give a little bit for the Murloc Paladins and a little bit for the Control Paladins, you know, with Solemn Vigil and things like that. We need a little bit for, you know, everything. You know, they just, they won't, you know, when, when a class has no central identity, it is a problem. I am concerned we're just going to jump from that into a bigger problem, which is the problem we eventually had with Shaman, where it doesn't necessarily have an identity, it has all of the identities. <laughs> and that's yeah. something where... You, you don't want to run into that trap. So it's going to be very... I'm going to be watching the card releases of this expansion more carefully than probably any other expansion. Not because I... You know, not just because I like new cards, because I totally do. And I would, you know, I'd be at least following anyway. But this is when we're going to learn... Do, has Team 5 learned from the balance mistakes of yesteryear? Are we going to get... You know, are we going to get, you know, uh, a diverse kind of change in how they approach weaker classes? Or are we going to get Hunter Stone and Paladin Stone, like we have Shaman Stone right now? That's going to be very interesting to watch over the next couple expansions. I'm not convinced they know how to do it, but we'll see. I want to believe. It'll, it'll probably take some take them some time. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be perfectly honest, Wizard still screws up. I've heard many stories about how like the Urza's block almost killed magic mm -hmm. and then we went to time spiral block years years later and that almost killed magic like every now and again or cobblade and uh scars of mirrodin standard like every now and again they just release a set and something <laughs> happens it's just like i i i, I don't know how everything it got, was fine fucked. until the fire nation attacked yes. i guess yep. I, I, but I understand that. If you are looking for Control Hunter to be a thing, I think Angoro is a place for it to happen. Angoro is a place of big, scary dinosaurs <laughs> and the dudes that hunt them. <laughs> well, so so let's uh, let, let's look into it. There hasn't been a, a ton announced. There's been a couple cards here and there. Um, obviously, they've announced the Adapt archetype and uh, and quests. And someone just tweeted not too long ago that quests will start in your hand. So you'll start, if your first turn, you'll start with a quest and two cards, um, was what I saw come across the tweet uh, while we were sitting here. I'm trying to find who it was. Huh. But someone had, someone had tweeted that of, you know, substance in esports. So I think that's interesting. Um, where, where do we want to see it go? What do we want to be the defining aspect of this of this expansion and what do we want it to do to the standard rotation um slow the meta down yeah slow it down slow like slow it down and also be like impactful enough that it incentivizes people to play it in ways that's not just oh i'm going to just meme on this dude with like quest hunter mm -hmm. or quest paladin mm -hmm. like that's actually going to be good, but not. Okay, guys, like, you're the, this the quest meta, mm -hmm. like, they need to be good. They need to be worth putting in your deck, and following the inane restrictions of doing them. Like the one that got spoiled was like play seven death rattle minions. Yes, and not only that, like the cards you have to play have to be good too. Right. right. 
And and this is why I actually really like the quest mechanic, because it reminds me of why Reno worked out so well. You know, Reno is a card with high upside, but it changes the way that you have to build your deck. You have to build your deck specifically around the idea that, you know, there aren't going to be any duplicates or else Reno won't work. And that created, you know, at least at first, a really fun way to kind of change up some of the more traditional deck lists in a way that cost you inconsistency, but had this huge upside potential if you got the right cards, rather than now where it's, did you draw it by turn six? If yes, you probably win. If no, you probably lose. Uh, this is kind of more, um, you know, more balanced in that regard. It doesn't have, you know, the huge, you know... I mean, I mean the card that we've seen, I sh you know, Amara, Warden of Hope... 5-mana, 8-8 eight, eight with Taunt, that sets your health to 40. That seems really good. Like, that's a very powerful effect to have, especially in Priest, where you can heal yourself pretty easily. Like, that can kill a lot of Burst. But, I mean, it forces interesting decisions, right? Do you want to play worse Death Rattle cards in order to get to the quest faster? Are you willing to play, you know, good, strong Death Rattle cards at the risk that you don't get your quest completed in time? You know, does this mean that... You know, you want to play specifically into that archetype, or can you maybe, you know, find, you know, does, you know, is it going to be a control thing? Or are you going to go for the aggro? Like, this is a very interesting kind of design. And I want to see what the other quests look like. This is obviously the one we saw as a legendary quest. So the reward is massive. You know, are we going to get quests that work in any class? Like, are we getting any neutral quests? That would be very interesting to me. Uh, are we going to get, you know, does every class get quests or are there classes in particular that get quests and the other ones are going to have to rely on different mechanics? I think all of this, you know, any any kind of mechanic that forces you to change the way that you build your deck is to me the most fascinating and fun part of Hearthstone. Those are the decks that I enjoy. You can tell I've got my Reno Jackson shirt on. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, this is just the what I love about it. And, you know, Adapt is going to be interesting, too. I think we found that Discover mechanics have worked very well. And the idea of it's Discover, but in a way that just buffs your creatures. You know, the one we saw is in Druid, where we've seen, you know, choose one kind of things before. This is choose three among the ten possible options as they're presented to you. That's kind of a, an evolution of the mechanic that I think is... What has worked about Hearthstone in the past? I love the concepts of these keywords. The key is, as Alex pointed out, are they going to make them so strong as to, you know, kind of strong arm the meta into having to play that way? Or is it just going to provide another interesting set of options for people that want to experiment with it? That's the part we have yet to see, and a lot of that's going to come to the support, and, uh, and we're just going to have to follow that very closely. Now, do you know what card you're not going to be playing with that quest? <laughs> Which one? The the legendary priest quest. Someone, someone <laughs> oh, no, I, I meant like which card? Are you talking about the yeah, yeah, mage what? legendary? Or oh, no, no. Nizal. Yeah, no, the one, no the, card, the card that you won't be playing with it is Sylvanas. That's true. Hey! Hey, wild hey. exists, man. I'm, I'm going to like remind people... Wild is a thing, and right now, it is the place where I am still finding joy in Hearthstone because I can do things like the Reno Rogue that Dane Hearthstone brought up yesterday, which is awesome. And if you really want to just take it to Pirate Warriors, it's the best deck possible to do it with uh, in that kind in, in Wild, where Ship's Cannon is a thing that exists. Um, oh. Highly recommend people check that deck list out. Um, yeah, if you want Standard 2.0, go play Wild with 100 <laughs> other people. 
Oh, it's funny because you're right. <laughs> uh, the the quest information that it'll start in your hand is from uh, Kriparian. Okay. From Krip. Okay. Well, that's that's very reliable. Take it with salt. a grain of salt. <laughs> take uh. it with. I think more than a grain. <laughs> one, take it with one crip of salt. <laughs> crip of salt. Um, but uh. That's it. That's that's all we got to talk about. I, I'm excited that they announced this new expansion as we were recording. So I, I feel like we're going to have to have uh, have Alex back on here in in a while and talk about uh, talk about that expansion, preview mm-hmm. some of those cards, because I think uh, I think people enjoyed that. Alex, standard rotation. Now that we're going to get some new cards in, what class are you going to play? Have you built eight? eight shaman decks already like where what are your plans for the next quarter as blizzard wants to put it <laughs> my next uh, the next quarter is going to be wait um the the meta's not changing yet so i don't see any need to subject myself to pirates um because it's like if it's not 34 percent shaman it's like the 18 percent pirate warrior <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to be it's, playing wild exclusively until the changes come in at the very least. Yeah, I'm go- I'm going to wait. We're going to see how things turn out. I will probably be working on my Jade Shaman uh deck just purging the pirate package, having my last few moments with Totem Golem. <laughs> yeah, I uh and I want to go pay- from there. Yeah, I want to pay homage to the cards that are rotating out. Blackrock Mountain and expansion after my own heart because like Brian Kibler, I love dragons. Uh, I will miss Blackwind Corruptor. I will miss Dragon. Dragon Paladin is a deck that I tried to make work for forever. I had like a Yasharaj Dragon Paladin that did really well until Mean Streets of Gadgetson, and then I wasn't allowed to play the fun deck anymore that I liked. But still, I do. I'm gonna miss the dragons. Reno Jackson obviously is gonna be missed. I think if you like control. Uh, Elise was one of the more fun control cards we've ever seen printed. I think Just a Car is a card that I'm going to miss as well because the, the ability to change your hero power up in some way, you know, same with Sir Finley, that was very interesting. And I, I hope that we return to some of these mechanics again. Obviously, I, I hope that dragon dragons don't completely die as a concept now that Blackrock Mountain is out. Um, certainly, they lost a lot of their support, but it'll be interesting to see how they try to make up for the holes that are missing, because this is the first rotation. Uh, you know, GVG obviously had a lot of mechs, but mechs had kind of fallen out of favor by the time they were being rotated out. Only Dr. Boom was like the big, massive, oh my god, I can't believe we're going to have a meta without Dr. Boom anymore. This is going to be a lot of different archetypes that are going to be very significantly altered by the rotation. Yeah, and I mean, the thing about mech was that that was all fairly self-contained, like within... Uh, Within the set, mm-hmm. my mind completely blanked on its name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it was all fairly contained within the set. So when it rotated, like it all went. Mm-hmm. After this rotation, we're gonna have like Draconoid Operative that's just stranded out in the middle of nowhere without <laughs> literally any dragons well, except well, for like the classic top end. Maybe maybe they won't be dinosaurs. Maybe they'll be dragons. Maybe no, they'll, they'll all call them dragons. No, no dinosaur archetype. It's going to be dragon archetype. It's just going to be a T-Rex that they're going to add wings to it. <laughs> um, Emperor is also rotating, so like a lot of janky combo decks are not going to be a thing anymore. Um, Milrogue is dead now because uh, Gangup's going to be gone. Aviana's gone too. 
Yeah. There was a video that Noxious had talking about the... It's like Blue Post Combo Decks. I think that's what the title of the video is called. And he talks about, like, the Kun Cthune Aviana deck. It's like, this is what combo should be. Uh, <laughs> that's rotating, so good luck. Um, Trog is rotating. Yay! That, yeah, shout out to that. That's, I guess, the win that justifies all the other losses. Because I, if I never see a Tunnel Trog again, it'll be too soon. You play wild, you're always going to see Tunnel Trog. Good I know, luck. I know. Turns out but, a 1-3 um, with upside is pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty weird. Good. It's weird. As far as, like, what's coming, I think that Dragon's going to get some support. Probably not in Ungoro. But um, in somebody's in somebody's video talking about the upcoming changes, it might have been Kibler, they showed, like, the timeline. And you have, you know, Ungoro with all its, like, tropical stuff, because that's how Ungoro looks. It's all very tropical and stuff. The next one, though, that's what I'm curious about, because it's a bunch of, like, runes. It's a bunch of arcane runes, which makes me think that the next expansion will be dealing with the blue dragon flight. Uh, I assume that's World of Warcraft lore that I know nothing about. The blue dragon flights are guardians of magic. And also dragons, as it turns out. And dragons! I want to I want to believe. I want to believe. <laughs> that would be my dream expansion right now. Spells and Dragons is basically like 90% of why I love half of my well, decks. While you guys are doing that, I'm going to pull a life coach. I'm going to go play Gwent. I, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna go have you, have you actually played Gwent yet, or are you just saying that you're going to play Gwent? I'm doing it for memes as a transition out of the show. So, uh. so yeah, I'm going to pull a life gonna, coach. I was going to ask if that was if like you had played it and if it was any good. I have not played it. I think it's still an open beta. We'll see. Maybe we can figure out a way to get into it. But, uh, yeah, that's been a show. That's been the Nepotism Podcast with my brother, Alex B.M. Navas Fetchuk, talking Hearthstone, uh, breaking that the Hearthstone expansion was uh, was announced on the day we recorded this. So when you listen to it, it'll already have been out. Everybody will have psychoanalyzed it and tried to figure out what the expansion's going to be and come up with random cards and talk about how quests are so broken after literally like 72 hours of being announced. Uh, anything else you want to say, Alex, before we head off? If Stone Tusk Boar can break the meta, so can quests. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So you guys can follow us all on social media. I'm at C80s underscore LOL. You can go back, check out Chase's Twitter, which is... At RedshirtKing. Looking forward to hearing where... your thoughts on all of this stuff. Uh, and that was where he officially announced that he uninstalled the game for like two days. Uh, no, it's still uninstalled, by the way. Uh, oh, it's still, it's still uninstalled. uninstalled. It's been a, give it, I gave it two weeks. I needed some time. I needed some time to think about oh. things. You know, it's like we have a complicated relationship, Hearthstone and I. <laughs> and I just, you know, sometimes you need time apart to really think about what you really want in life. And what I want is Reno Rogue. So that's what I'm going to reinstall and play today. <laughs> Because that video gave me some hope that things could be fun again. So let's let's believe and let's hope that uh, Journey to Ungaro is what I believe it can be. Because if it is, it can start bringing back some people that are have otherwise checked out. That's the hope. And if it doesn't, Blizzard's going to have a lot of questions to ask themselves very soon. There's always Gwent. There's, 
We will Shadowverse? Shadowverse? Smite tactics? No, I'm kidding. Not Smite. No one cares about Smite tactics. Aw, that's a low blow. Is it? Alex, where can the good folks at home find you? Uh, You guys can all find me occasionally screaming into the void at at BMNavos. And first of all, the BM stands for Beast Mastery. Beast Mastery because you play World of Warcraft. Not not bad manners, I promise. Ah, ah. Seriously, though, you guys should go look up how Oops All Spells and Magic works, because it is literally... I watched him do it in a tournament. It is literally, here's a hand. I win the game. And people <laughs> ask, wait, how did you do that? And then he has to like show them how he actually does it. And it takes, it takes like five minutes for him to win a game. It takes him like a half hour for him to explain how the deck works. It's fantastic. <laughs> go look at that on YouTube. And until next time, goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80's here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.